0: Podcasting from Fairfax, Virginia, you are now tuned in to The Highlight Cast with your hosts, Adam McNair and Kevin Long.
1: Welcome to another episode of The Highlight Cast. Hi, I'm Adam McNair here from Highlight, uh, joined by, as always, so Kevin Long. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Adam. How's it going? Doing great. Thank you. Great. And also, we're very happy to have with us today our guest, uh, Norma Wattonpaw. Norma, hi. How are you today?
2: I'm doing great, and thank you for inviting me to your podcast.
1: Absolutely. Glad to have you. So, uh, yeah, Highlight and uh, and Norma, we've been working together here for – a few months, I guess. Um, Norma, you want to I- introduce introduce yourself and kind of share the the kinds of things that you do with the with the
2: audience. Be happy to. So I'm the uh, CEO and founder of a uh, consultancy group called Phoenix Consulting Group, as in transformational partnering. And our company focuses on collaborative business relationships, you know, all sorts of B2B types of relationships, whether it's strategic alliances, technology relationships. Um, it can be um, channels or, you know, developer relationships. So that's kind of our our wheelhouse is where we focus as a company. But, you know, I've always been very passionate about collaboration and how companies can work together to create more value, more customer uh, juiciness, if you will. And in that line, I've been very much involved with um, the standard around collaborative relationships, the ISO 44001, I've been on the uh, committee and led the US delegation in uh, trying to influence that collaboration to reflect what we think are the best practices in and how you manage and, and work in those kind of collaborative environments. And, so, and that's, I, I mean, I, I find
1: fascinating, I, I think, you know, as we um, as we got started on our, our path with with ISOs and creating what we call Highway, which is our, our quality framework uh, that integrates a lot of the different standards, 9,000, 20,000, 27,000 are uh, pretty commonly required in government contracting, which is where we, um, you know, where, where we spend all of our time as, as company. Um, and as we were looking for ways to solve strategic challenges we had as a corporation there you know p- partnering and 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 how how to do business better how to deliver services better uh, we ended up going down the route of we we came across 44,000 and 56,000 so for collaborative business relationship management and then also for innovation management and now the, the way that we found that was I was out on the ISO website looking around for, um, you know, uh, other other ISO standards to draw from to shore up some of the practices we have. Now, how did how did your engagement with forty four thousand happen? I mean, what was that like? Is that a group contacts you, or ha- how does that how does that come about?
2: Well, it actually it started. Before it started in, uh, I think 2007, 2008, where I was contacted by a group in Britain who were working on a pre-standard for the British Standards Institute, which was the precursor to the 44,000, and just learned that we had a lot in common. He was trying to promote more collaboration in the largely government contracts, large infrastructure contracts like um, the National Air Traffic Control and National Rail and, you know, some of these very large scale projects that required a lot of moving parts, a lot of subcontractors and partners to really execute. And the, the UK government and the MOD actually was very involved in that because they knew they needed a better way to work with uh, these very complex Requirements, And that's how I got involved in terms of the British standard and being a part of helping to shape that standard at very early stage and inserting what we knew to be, you know, best practices in, in working with uh, strategic alliances.
1: So that's what you're describing. Is I mean, from the time that that happened until uh, forty-four thousand became a standard, that that sounds like a uh, you know ten-year timeline of, of of evolution there. So it's been a
2: long road, yes. <laughs> so from
1: from the 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 creation of the standard is that is it like a world congress type activity did everybody go to one place is this all just trading back and forth
2: emails how did that happen yes yes that's kind of you you kind of explain explain it quite well is that um iso standards originate from a national standard first so any country and their standards organization can originate a standard like british took the lead on the collaboration one um, I think it was a group here in the u s that took the lead on the innovation standard, and when it gets um, you know accepted as a national standard, they can then propose to the ISO organization, the International Standards Organization that it should become an international standard and at that point, they convene a committee which has experts in the t- subject matter from every country that wishes to participate. So in the collaboration standard, there was like 15, 16 countries that sent a a delegation or representative to an ISO committee meeting to kind of represent their country's interests and perspectives. So I led the US delegation. Uh, There were delegations from uh, the UK, of course, because they kind of started it, but Sweden, Austria was in there for a while. Italy has been a steady contributor, um, but you know, all these different countries, China recently joined in kind of the latter stages and, and taking a stronger role, which is one reason why I think it's very important that the U.S. and other countries also, you know, show up, pay attention and collaborate because China's a big trading partner. You know, we, mm-hmm. we love them and hate them, right? So <laughs> it's, it's important, particularly in the tone of collaboration to be able to work that way. So now, w- when
1: you see collaboration as a as a field, I mean as a as a, a work stream that is something that's addressed across uh, all these different businesses, w- what kind of business sectors do you find are m- most engaged or interested in in partnership and, and collaboration? as part of their vocabulary where it's really something that they're paying attention to. Now you'd mentioned a a little bit, but where do you see that?
2: There's three that I see really stand out who who have bet their business on collaboration, if you will. Construction is one area. Uh, Technology is another very large partner ecosystems. Everyone partners with everyone and everyone competes with everyone. Um, And pharmaceuticals, Um, pharmaceuticals in particular have found that you know innovation doesn't happen in a room full of chemists anymore it's geneticists. they partner very heavily with the biotech and uh, organizations to find the solutions but pharma has the um the money <laughs> capital that it takes to push a, a new uh, therapy through all the clinical trials and sort cert- and you know approval through the FDA so there's heavy partnering in that area in the R&D side of and of course, we saw that with COVID, you know, we saw an incredible amount of cooperation and collaboration among the pharmaceuticals and the uh, biotech companies and coming through with vaccines in record time.
1: Yeah, And and that's interesting, I think, also, because, you know, the, when something like COVID happens, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that we've had, you know, a similar pandemic, at least not you know, not 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 in the U.S. Um, you know, like that uh, certainly in, in in during my career. But I do think there are, are transformational shifts and changes. And I think whether that be going from physical servers to the cloud, whether that be um, you know the the pandemic that has has required all this remote work, uh, a lot of the different things. I think you've got. Um, It's it's an interesting impact to other standards. You know, I I think when I as we were going through some of our ISO twenty seven thousand recertification, and I'm I'm reading some of the documentation that we put forward around the continuity of our business, we were thinking about snowstorms. We were thinking about a pipe breaks in the office. Power outage. We were thinking about a power outage.
2: Earthquakes we, if you're in California.
1: <laughs> right. And you know, and frankly, you know, even though during this it did happen during the the, the pandemic here, we had a we had a, a drain backup, a, a storm drain backup that impacted our headquarters office. And it's funny because all the conversations that we had about what happens if something closes the main office. It had literally zero impact on us at this point because nobody was there. Nobody was going to go in. When you said, oh, well, it turns out there's six inches of water on the first floor. Um, you know, And they're, they're calling – the building is calling us. And I said, But take your time, uh, you know, what, whatever. It, it doesn't really matter. And I went over and unplugged some things, and that was about the extent of it. But I'm wondering, have you seen these partnerships that have been – um, that have been in place as, as COVID has happened, like you're talking about, have you seen areas where you feel like their involvement in in collaboration as a real practice, whether they are 44,000 certified or not, have you seen areas where you feel like they probably handled the adversity and the change of COVID better than maybe they would have if they hadn't been involved with some of the things that, that you've been doing?
2: Well, I think what you're speaking to is that you're better equipped to respond to a challenge or a disruption if you have the culture and process in place first. Trying to put that together in a, in a crisis is, uh, you don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think for those organizations, I'm thinking to one with uh, PTC, which is a, they do a lot of um, modeling and, and engineering modeling kind of work, and we just had an award nomination through uh, the Association of Strategic Alliance Professionals where they had worked with some of their partners and were very quickly able to um, create uh, new plans and new manufacturing processes for for, um, ventilators. And this was, of course, very early in the pandemic, but they were able to increase the supply of ventilators like threefold. Because they had an existing relationship and they said, OK, we can apply our skills and what we know and what we've learned in working with each other to this new problem. And we're able to have a, a major impact in the um, you know, production of ventilators in the short order. Yeah, that, well, and that's
1: yeah, certainly impactful and helpful for for everybody. Um, you know, it also one of the things that it. It makes me think of is you know as we as that was going and sounds like was going well, um, you know one of the things that as the pandemic was was starting up is we were running a facility for a customer, and our ecosystem of partners uh, included a commercial real estate organization, and um, you know I think I think there were probably areas where that could have been a lot. Done a lot better, um, or, or could have been ironed out a little bit better. I think from a, you know, collaboration standpoint, I think we we entered into that that relationship along quite a while ago. I think before we had really gotten as mature as I hopefully think we have in the last couple of years in in this area. Because um, Kevin, I mean, that was all you're you got to enjoy the, the the benefit of going to go uh you know shut down a, you know, a facility and and, and, yep. and figure that out remotely and everything else I think as as the pandemic started I was at a, in a conference and I, you know so I was I was down in New Orleans and Kevin was up in Boston and so I know that was like I think you officially took the the last flight appropriately I, that- I, I, I was the last
0: last highlight traveler before before everything got shut down. Yeah, March 13th, Friday, Friday the
2: 13th. Yeah, Friday the 13th, I recall. <laughs> yeah. So uh, how that's...
1: does the, the interaction with, with our partner, you know, up there from a facility standpoint, did, did, so, how did that go?
0: Yeah, well, it went... So we got really used to working with them every day, honestly, and uh, had been for, you know, six months on the ground with them because they had people in the building. And if there's one thing you know about our customer up there is that um, uh, they're quite agile and their demands are are fluid, which means that uh, for us to meet our customers' needs, they had to... I mean we had to have really strong collaboration between us and and our real estate provider right? I mean and when I say we talk to them every day that I mean that's underselling it like it, we probably talked to them someone on our team every 2 hours every 2 hours of a work, every workday right because something was coming up right um with that uh and not everything was bad. It was like you know, st- uh, we, we developed a lot of standard operating procedures and and you know shorthand to, to to help them out. But as we were shutting it down, I think that we really got to lean heavily on the fact that uh, that we had those established, documented ways of interacting with them. That you know, say, hey, when we when we need to collect key cards, this is how we do that when we when we need to, to uh, have a, a change in security or a change in HVAC. You know, this is how we do that. Right. And we had all, all of that worked out, which uh, we which made it e- easier uh, to to shut it down. Um, but then, you know, you just had all of the additional paperwork that was essentially, OK, we're now going to vacate because it's not safe to be, you know, Three feet from from your coworker where everybody was, you know, literally sharing like every like two people would share one computer monitor so they could work together. Right. Yeah. Um, just not safe anymore. It was honestly it was a lot of the more work wasn't shutting down the uh, real estate stuff. It was working with our partners uh, in the hardware folks where we then had to put in the clutch. And shift to be able to stop having everybody share monitors. And all right, now we need to leverage our relationships with our hardware providers to get everybody laptops that don't already have. them, Get everybody prepared to work remotely from home. And as the and you know, they didn't stop hiring folks or customers didn't stop hiring folks as they were coming in. So we were having to to onboard new folks across the country with, with hardware. And so we had to really lean on, on our, uh, our, our established norms for working with, uh, you know, CDW and Apple and, and all of our, all of our hardware vendors to be able to, to really not miss a beat and mean to the point where even this customer had engagement day the other day and made mention of how easy it was to switch to fully remote. So, um, uh, I, I did a little dance around the room there because it wasn't easy. It just looked like that to them.
1: You right. made it
2: look easy. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I and, and
1: you know, based on out of all of that, and I, I think you know, Norm, I have I have a question for you related to this. Is you know, I think an area from my viewpoint, the way that kind of shutdown went and that whole you know involvement, the day to day working relationships that we had. I think were strong and, and worked well. It almost seemed to me like where some of the challenges would come in is when there was a decision to be made above the level of the people that you were used to working with. And sometimes they're decisions that they haven't had to make before. Um, whether that be hardware, are we gonna allow it to be shipped? Uh, you know, How are we gonna sh- allow things to be shipped? Or how are we gonna allow that to be built? Or if we have to use a different vendor? Um, at the at the facility level you know some of those conversations not just about the day-to-day operations but you know if we're going to exit this you know in- engagement how are we going to do that because it you know, that was certainly not something that looked like was going to be even an option. I mean, every conversation we'd always had there was how do we get more space and how do we get more people in here? Because this thing just continues to grow. And so I think there are, you know, as as we were getting the standard um, and we were looking at this early on, a lot of the people that it seemed like were getting 44,000 certified uh, were in the UK. Um, and I saw a lot of. Utility companies, construction organizations—I think—which which you know mirrors you know normal what you were saying. So my, I was wondering if, if you have an organization where the understanding of partnership and collaboration and the different layers of that business need to kind of get on the same page about how they want to handle partnerships. Are there? Are there conferences? Are there events? Are there are there places that people like that can go to be able to to say, hey, partnership in this era, everything's interconnected. We really ought to have some more thinking about this. Where are there places that you're involved in where they can go for those kinds of um, those kinds of thoughts?
2: Well, absolutely. I have been on the board, full disclosure, of an organization called the Association of Strategic Alliance Professionals. And that is what the mission of the organization is, is to enable those people who are working with partners to have access to best practices, to network, to share ideas, to ask questions. And we do have webinars and conferences and and other events that we host where, where partnering professionals can come up with that. And perhaps later I can send you more information on the summit that's coming up in March. And in fact, I think you are the closing speaker with that interview with our President Mike Leonetti, and they'll be having a fireside chat talking to you about your journey through uh, collaboration and, and building up a systemic capability in collaboration.
1: Yes, yeah, certainly looking forward to that as well. Um, yeah, and I, um, I think it's 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 good on for uh, just awareness that uh, you know that that organization is out there. I think on the government side, you know, we see a lot of very government focused. Uh, mm-hmm. Organizations, uh, whether that be we're we're a member of ACT-IAC, uh, we are a member of FCA, and those organizations are great in so many ways, and they do a lot related to the partnership between industry and government. Uh, they also do a lot towards tackling very specific and tangible challenges like cybersecurity, uh, like you know, cloud computing. Um, DevOps, these is specific things that are that, that government agencies face. But I think the thing that, that your organization can add is that the, the, the collaboration aspect is a, a a connecting work stream across all of these. And yes. I think it's a it's a really good way to look at it. And you know we've said for uh, for a long time and eventually got certified in it that collaboration's <laughs> what makes a lot of programs successful or makes them fail because the days of not being able to make technology do things are are, are mostly, mostly over. There are still places where you will get to the top end of something and you can't crunch that much data for some reason and there are some constraints, but for the most part, Everything can kind of work with everything, and and it, it comes down to relationships and collaboration of how a couple of different organizations are going to work together, realizing they got down a path where they now want to change course, and they find out they can't because they never thought it was ever going to come to that point, and they have kind of painted themselves into a proverbial corner, so um, so I do think that you know we've seen a lot of value from uh from the standard and from the best practices so certainly thank you for all of your uh time and effort involved in the last decade to pull all of that together because we have certainly uh stood on that previous work to, to advance our uh, our partnerships, and uh, we'll make sure that we put out on our LinkedIn and our social media the information about uh, ASAP and in the upcoming March event. So with that, we just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time to be part of the uh, part of the, of the podcast and to work with Highlight. Is there anything as a, a parting message or anything uh, for whether it be you know, your organization or anything that to, to, to mention or draw folks' attention to?
2: Well, they can certainly reach out to me. Um, my website, www.phoenixcg.com. But I think it's a parting thought. I, I think I'd like to p- leave people thinking that, you know, collaboration is more than a process. It's a mindset. It's a culture. It's a way of doing business. And it, it's, it's important. As you said, it, it, it takes more than just process to make things work. It, it, it takes the spirit of collaboration
1: great I appreciate that and I think that's a, a good message for uh, for all of us to, to end on as we uh, continue to try to do the best we can to, to run our organizations and support our customers and uh, support our employees so uh, thank you thank you for taking the time to listen to the highlight cast if you take a look at our LinkedIn page for highlight we have uh, content that we uh, we put out there as well with uh, some of the uh, updates from the company and if you check our website highlighttech.com we put up news articles and so forth there for uh, other ways to learn about and engage with the company. Thank you everybody. Thank you for your time and uh, look forward to talking to you on the next highlight cast.
0: The views and opinions expressed in this episode
1: are those of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect Highlight Technologies and/or any agency of the US government.